Welcome to the Truthiverse. My name is Brendan D. Murphy. This is where we unleash truth and freedom with no holds barred, no fear, and no limits. Come and evolve beyond the matrix with me and thrive, not just survive. This is a realm of empowering, uncommon awareness. This is my Truthiverse. Hey, and welcome to this episode of Truthiverse. Just a quick blurb, a preamble. So this week I speak with Nick Sandbrook out of the UK. I've known Nick for seven years, eight years almost now, since I believe 2014. And he's been extremely useful to me from a research and understanding perspective. With his work, he's one of the best researched people I've I've known. Uh, he's one of the most intelligent people I know. Um, and I would say he has been the most useful to me as far as developing uh, my perspective and understanding of what the hell is going on here in this strange reality, on this crazy world we live in. And uh, Nick has written a couple of books, It, Blue Angel Night, and It, uh, Pieces in the Dark. I'm just looking up to my bookshelf there. And um, they're fictionalized sort of accounts of his his research, his message, and, and some, some of his life experiences as well, which we'll talk about. We'll be talking about a lot of things that build on a kind of a, a Jungian perspective, but but broaden it and deepen it greatly. And so, you know, somewhere out there, Carl Jung is is looking down and smiling on us as we have this conversation, I'm sure. Um, and it really invites us to reconsider things that we may have thought we'd, we'd figured out uh, to maybe look at things, certain things with fresh eyes, you know, the contact phenomenon, UFOs, aliens, angels, demons, God, all this kind of stuff. We're going to talk about the collective unconscious, it, as Nick refers to it in his books. And so when you hear us talking about it, that's what we're talking about, the collective unconscious, how it behaves will break down, how it behaves, how it manifests, how it manipulates reality, how it manipulates manipulates human minds. And... Um, yeah, it's one of those conversations you've definitely got to pay close attention to. Uh, don't have any distractions going, and I think you'll, if if that's the case, if that if that's how you listen to it, then you'll get a lot out of it. And if you do, please do share it around, and you know, feel free to drop me a line, drop me a bit of feedback, um, and let me know if you'd like to have Nick on to have a you know a continuation of the discussion to take things even further. With that said, here is my friend Nick Sandbrook, and our conversation, episode thirty-six of Truthiverse. Hope you enjoy. I mean, yeah. let's 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 go. Let's go. Since we jumped straight in, let's go to the beginning of your journey and how you how did you first identify the weird phenomena, the synchronistic phenomena? You figured out sort of what was going on. There was this weird feedback loop, um, you know, putting ideas into the collective consciousness and then seeing them come to life in your own life. And you know, you found your life written into the works of other people. Um, so, how, like, yeah. what was your journey in, in sort of discovering this phenomenon? Well, I, I, I mean, when I was about five years old, um, I had a, a, a very, um, it happened on my um, fifth birthday, actually, which, which was nice. I had a massive uh, operation, uh, which lasted sort of 10 or 12 hours, um, which was um, around 1971, March the 4th, 1971. And... Um, before then, I couldn't really remember anything. And after then, everything was really vivid, really intense. Um, everything seemed to then take on a almost like a manufactured life existence where I was being put through a whole series of different things, different events, different scenarios, being shown things, um, 
and um, after that event, suddenly I became very intelligent, very sort of um, adults almost seemed like children. You know, it was that sort of change. Nothing really sort of odd, though. I mean, that wasn't very, um, very sort of uh, dramatic. It was just a normal, normal life, really, except that there was a very strange sort of scenario of things going on. So I went through... Um, went through to university, studied cybernetics and computer science, did degrees and post postgrad stuff. And, you know, they went and got a job working in the IT industry, um, developed operating systems, all that sort of stuff. So nothing really untoward or different. Um, and um, set up as various IT companies, had numerous people working for me and, um, and after that. And, um, and then, decided to emigrate with the children to New Zealand um, and then had, um, while I was there, this massive um, cosmic consciousness consciousness experience, um, which normally some people have um, for a few seconds. You know, they have that zap of massive experience. Um, And this went on for about 20 minutes. It's almost as if it got stuck. Hmm. So for 20 minutes, I was... um, subjected to this massive sort of void experience, um, completely vast sort of informational overload of, 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 you know, completely different paradigm to anything you could could describe using physical world terminology or, or, or whatever. Um, and then experience this sort of, which I've put into the, to the one of my books, by the way, is is this um, surface coming up from the, the, the void depths, um, and then entering into this sort of um, this sphere of of what I can only describe as as a knowledge, where knowledge is not just knowledge that you acquire. This was being present in knowledge such that you were immersed in knowing everything um, in numerous repetitive cycles. So you were coming out and then going back in and going out 20 minutes, instantly knowing everything about a particular subject or a particular realm of study or um, the whole of religions, for example, instantly and instantly available to you so you could know everything about everything and that was presented to you so you were it's not like going to the internet and surfing it and working out what's going on this was knowing everything about a particular subject or realm of of of, um, of, of study or knowing and then coming back out again um, this went on for it's a bit like Indra's net where you've got fractal perspectives on um on everything that is like so you're going into this massive database but it's in in real time it's in it's instant there's no time gap of learning or acquiring data and there was quite a lot of contradictions going on as if i was sort of trying to work something out or being shown something and and um but it, again it's an impossible thing to try and to try and describe. And I've tried to do it in the book as, as much as I can in the first chapter, but it's it's that experience that transforms somebody. Um, and I've, I've obviously throughout history, there have been people who've experienced similar things. It's, it's, not, um, 
it's not unusual, but for it to go on for so long was, was very, very, it took me about three or four weeks to, to recover from that. Um, all of that knowledge was um, 50, 60% still there in my head. So you come out of this experience with about 20 PhDs in your head and it was, um, you know, it was quite, a, quite a shock to say the least. Um, and you were left with this sort of um, extreme feeling of vibrations and the perception change and all this sort of thing. And then that, that sort of settled down, had got various people in to, you know, give me advice and consultancy on what this hell was going on and why the hell I knew all of this stuff and what and checked over and had MRI scans and CT scans and um, all the stuff on your head to make sure it was, you know, wasn't going mad or that it was all normal. So stories, um, specialists and, um, but I was completely okay and um, all fine. And then after that, um, whole series of things started to happen like you were then almost being in this sort of game if you like this role-playing game or um, living the life of these films and this sort of hero journey being enforced on you but in in such a way that it was ridiculous and it's like being in sort of Harry Potter and the Matrix and um a lot more like Life of Brian, I think, rather than, <laughs> than anything else. But it was some sort of like some child was playing games with you and, and um, trying to um, sort of tell you and show you things and you were starting to have to do these things. So this went on for, for several years and came back to the UK and it just got worse and worse where the levels of synchronicity that were occurring between myself and people around me was, was just becoming ridiculous um, to such an extent that it formed a formed sort of a means of communication. So I was being moved around from place to place. I, I tried moving different places and wouldn't let me. And I mean, it sounds bizarre, you know, it sounds mad when you, when you say it, but... Um, and um, people around me were just going, this is just like, you know, being in a Truman show, you know, you're being, and it's literally like, you know, this is bizarre. People would come in, do something, go away again. Events would happen, you know, you'd see things in the news. And then I gradually started working out that um, um, from these experiences and things I was having, I was actually being able to put ideas into the, this collective mind. And obviously, I knew from my experiences and what I'd learned through gnosis and um, sort of industrial grade gnosis that kept happening every every day almost that this was what, what it was. Um, and so gradually, you could start to see changes occurring within the news or events or things happening. That there was this sort of almost a reflective um, change going on where. Um, what I was thinking and what I was um, writing about was actually going into the system and then coming back out again in sometimes bizarre fashion that it would pick up on things you would think were, you know, mundane, or but it would get really obsessed with things. And, you know, you'd have ships and planes and, and um, things falling out of the sky and all sorts of things going on and then suddenly it switched to something else and then you you know you'd be involved with you know 
collections or whatever it, it was obsessed with, you know, and, and this is us, obviously, this collective mind is, is us, you know, you've got to remember that all the time, that it is us and we are it. Um, and, and so can, um, can we, well, I want to jump in there and, and just to help ground it for people, um, this, this idea that you're feeding, feeding ideas or stories, in a sense, into the collective mind um, and they're playing out. Can you give us a specific one, one case, sort of one event that happened, something that you w was undeniably just bizarre to the point where you actually could recognize I've influenced the collective system here and I'm seeing it being fed back to me kind of thing? Yeah, I mean, um, it, I'm putting you yeah, on the spot. Without, <laughs> without, getting, without getting too sort of um, sensitive on some things because obviously a lot of these things are quite, um, are quite, um, large scale and people i mean now you could you know you could say or you know that the obama election for example that the too close to call landslide i mean i um that is something i know that, that i was involved in and um, and there were things going on at that time that meant that that was unequivocal in terms of a scientific base because i wrote things down beforehand talked to people around me about it said what i was going to do and use it as an experiment to try and work out what the hell was going because it was particularly um, a, um, focused on that particular issue at the time. So that that's one of the key things. You can't just say, "Oh, well, I'm going to do this," or you know, create more peace, or end the war here, or do this particular thing, or or solve the problem with bees, for example. It's got to be something that it's particularly focused on. It's got to be something that it's it's looking at at that time you can't try and sort of distract it with something else it's not doesn't work that way mm -hmm. um, i have put us some of those issues or examples in my book um, obviously some of the more sensitive ones i haven't um, uh, it's difficult to sort of give other examples at the moment i don't really want to do that because it's it's <laughs> You know, it's, it, it's, it's a bit sensitive to, to be able to do that. But I do know scientifically that this is going on. This concept of mythopoesis, this, this idea you've, you can see happening from other people. Philip K. Dick, for example, in his writings and things, you can see that it has affected a lot of people in this way, where you can see these changes going on within the system. Um, people like Lovecraft as well, Jake. Uh, Lovecraft is, is his um, early 19th century work, 20th century works, um, very much reinforced throughout the system. But other people like, like the McKenna's, um, uh, you can see that they were doing things not necessarily on a particularly responsible basis, um, let's put it that way, but this, this practice of trying to influence what's going on has been going on for quite some time. And including Greek mythology, for example. I mean, this mythos concept is really this story or program that exists within this, this information system of our collective human mind, the, the stuff going on the other side of the mirror. Um, so, I mean, there's there's examples that I could, could give you, but they're they're very difficult to quantify because you you they're very much an in the moment thing so you yep. could write about them and describe them and then put it then then you go well, well um 
that doesn't make a lot of sense to me because it's a you've got to sort of document the story as it's building up and then grab stuff as it's happening from the news and then use that in context and glue them all together i can i can i can um because i've read your books i i I have a you know the benefit of having read them and seen like the the types of examples you, you put in there um but you mentioned philip k dick and i want to come back to that because philip k dick wrote stuff that you know when you stumbled upon his writings you saw parts of your life in great detail had actually he had written them into stories and it was almost like on some level he had almost created you in a way it was bizarre yeah, well that's that is exactly what this process is these people are creating it's almost next generation of of, of what's going on so they're rewriting the hero story in effect or, or this what you know i wouldn't use the word hero more more sort of victim i think <laughs> <laughs> But um, that's exactly what is happening. It's, it's, you look in some of his books and um, the stories, and it's highly reflective in my life and, and other people's lives too, where this sort of concept has been put into the collective mind as a template for what happens next. So a lot of his ideas like the internet and um, you know, this Valis thing that he was creating this vast active living uh, information system is pretty much reflective of this collective mind, um, this entity that exists there as a, as a like a, a computer or machine, but obviously it's much more sophisticated than that concept. But um, I mean, he was writing books like um, um, Nick in my the year I was born, Nick and the Glimmage, which is basically Nick and the Demiurge, which is essentially the whole this whole story of what, what happened to me and but all all of his other books as well were, were just surreal I mean literally you go through that book and it's about myself and my parents and the journey and things are events that had happened in there and um but also if you read through his exegesis it's just staggering and other people have said this as well they've read through it and gone well, these things have happened to me and this has happened to me. But in my case, it was just literally as if it's talking about me and people around me as well, not just myself and my wife and, um, and people throughout my, my history. It's almost as if he was not only helping to write that sort of story journey, but also picking up on events that were happening to me at certain points of, of my early life. And and also, also details, like you said, details about... Um, you know, your partner and, and certain like health challenges, they were written in his book. Yeah. I mean, I want to like, yeah. I want to, if, if wherever we can, like if it's not too sensitive, I want to mention specific details so that people can can get a better handle on this because this is the most uh, ab- abstract or uh, conceptual, I think, conversation I've had on the show so far. So we really need to ground it as much as possible for people. <laughs> I know, I'm sorry. It's a... <laughs> well, yeah, for example, my wife, I mean, he talks in there about um, the, which do you sorry, which book of this was Dick's? Do you remember? Um, in his exegesis, okay, right, yeah, he's talking. It, his exegesis is very good because it gives you an insight into his, it's actually all of his journals. And some people did a lot of work to get that all together. And it's, it's rather than the discourse stuff he was putting into his, his fictional books, which are very good, a bit clunky here and there, but you know, it's a. Um, but the exegesis is excellent because it gives you a really good insight into what was going on in his mind, but also the experience that he was having, his, his cosmic consciousness, very brief experience in 1974, March 1974, but also 
what events were occurring at particular times as well and what he was picking up on and then what was being discoursed by him um, into his, his, his works. Um, but also, you know, the dreams and visions he was having. So he had, a, for example, a vision of um, a family living on a farm that were being subject to this heavy metal poisoning and, um, and the, who they were and um, how, how they were necessary as part of the sort of process of things to come and so forth. And this, and that my wife um, grew up on a farm and suffered heavy metal poisoning from the sprays. And it describes exactly the people that she, she grew up with and her family and so forth. And um, so there are dozens of examples like that. Um, and the character was called Nick, wasn't it? Wasn't his main character Nick? In Nick and the Glimmons, yeah, but in several other books as well. Yeah, but yeah. It's, it's, but uh, these are just some examples with Philip Gay Dick. I mean, there are several other ones as well. Other, mm. And there's books, recent books in the last sort of five or six years where people have written books where I'm not talking about Harry Potter and things, but, but, um, um, I actually here, um, there was this, I've got dozens of them, but there was this guy, this one here, Mind's Eye. Okay. Um, written by a guy called Douglas Richards is New York best, bestseller. Um, but that has my name in it and it is about me. It's got my description. It's, got my wife her military background just my description the entire cybernetics implants in the head all of this it, it just gets to the point where it gets utterly surreal yeah. and, and i'd only picked that book up because i was looking for the mind's eye by um another another book which is a um, academic book on um, on consciousness and uh, i just picked that up and read it and thought Oh, this is interesting. And then suddenly realize the whole thing is being picked up on from the collective mind in a um, transverse way. So this, these ideas are effectively being discoursed as art is, as is all sorts of things coming out of our collective mind is basically a way of discoursing this stuff we're reflectively picking up. But Philip K. Dick was prolific at this. He was literally spending, you know, 15 hours a day just writing stuff and um, um, obviously again his sort of attitude to drugs isn't quite my um, cup of tea but it was certainly very interesting to see what uh, what was coming out of the system yeah um, and uh, you know you've got in in your book which which is the uh, first one I've got here, It, Pieces in the Dark. So you actually, you're referring to the collective unconscious as it, just so that people, if anyone's missed that, it is, Nick refers to it as it, um, which we've seen show up in other 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 things. I think, I'm not sure um, who it was, might have been Lovecraft or someone who referred to it as it as well. Um, yeah. But I wanted to touch on your character, the characters, certain characters' names, because you've got in your book, you've got, um, Sam is your main character and Brina yeah. and and this to to help people grasp this I myself have seen this your characters enter into my life <laughs> which has been bizarre and this happened a few years back now um, but it was it was after we'd, we'd have first connected and so I you know I'd had some time to um, you know to get get my head around all of this and what was happening so when it when it did happen I was like oh well here it is um, happening in front of my face and this guy contacted me 
And he said, oh man, you know, I love your book. Um, referring to the grand illusion. And he said, yeah, I love the book. It was great. I was, and then he's like, I wanted to write a book and I was going to call it the grand illusion, but then I found yours and yours was better than I was going to ever going to do. So I just thought, well, that's done. And, and then he tells me this story about, you know, he gives me all this sort of life information and his partner's name is Brina. And I'm just reading the details of this email and my jaw is on the desk going, here's Sam and his partner's Brina and he's going to write the grand illusion. But, and, you know, I wrote the grand illusion. I mean, and all this, these intertwined characters and, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, it's phenomenal when it, when you see it happening. It's, it's, it can get pretty scary as well, but it's not, the thing is, it's not, because you know this thing is really happening, the key is to suddenly take a sort of management perspective on it and say, well, okay, if we know this is thing is happening and it's real and it's proof and it's scientific and I can go up and down the whole um, tree of, of, of science and work, you know, work through it because that's what I, I can do. Once you realise that, you think, well, this is a tool. We can use this to help change things, to make make it work because it's not bloody working at the moment and it's all it's you know it needs to change yeah it's once a you realize that and you can start to actually make a difference you can really start to change things it is unfortunately what i can do is probably equivalent of a, a butterfly bashing its head against the wheel of a, the empty wheel of a tight of the titanic you know because there's nobody at the wheel at the moment and it's just sort of being influenced by lots of unconscious you know things going on you know cartels and you know conspiracies and not conspiracies and all these other things that are happening and people are being influenced everywhere by un these unconscious programs and the you know arch archetypal uh, collective things and um uh, and being able to actually do something about that in with real meaningful way of measuring it is is really quite powerful and that's really what I'm trying to to do with just discoursing this stuff into the books and as well as my journals and things and to work with other people is to is really to try and have a situation where we can do something about this and fix these problems that we've created for ourselves you know because this 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 collective mind you know is essentially what all the religions have been been based on and um, it's evolved really in the last sort of 12,000 years or so from the, the, the time we were in Mesopotamia and we all started getting together and, and colonising and, and, um, and, you know, fixating on particular things. And that's a great thing from one perspective, but a bad thing from, from another perspective. Mm. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's to do with being able to do something about it. And really, I, I tend to only work now with, with people who really want to do something about this this problem rather than writing academic papers about you know how um, how what they think of it and you know what they think of each other and, and that sort of thing it's, it's it's a bit sort of you know non non-productive really yeah yeah well i mean in terms of you know people trying to influence the the collective i mean what i found interesting early on talking to you was that you know, someone like yourself has an uncanny, a seemingly uncanny ability, or if you like, and, and um, you know, the, your relationship to the collective unconscious is a little bit altered um, in that you seem to be able to influence it much more so than most other people would. So 
I'm kind of wondering, you know, what what is a strategic thing or tactical thing that people out there can do that is constructive to guide the collective mind in the right direction? Because and and part of the thing that we have to realize in that is that most people are so programmed in when, with so many different layers of illusion that you know that that kind of has to be factored in, right? So how what's your what would your approach be? Well, I would say take, people need to take a very rational perspective because obviously this thing is very good at hypnotizing people. It's very good at um, you know, persuading them. Or, or you get drawn into rabbit holes. You get drawn into you know, religions or, or you know, the, the sort of more, more recent religions like the ancient aliens thing, you know, these, these alien, you know, which I think were up to about 120 28 different types of alien nose. But this is what, what you've got to try and do is not be too influenced by what you're channeling, what you're visualizing, what you're, um, you're, you're seeing in terms of what you think is going on. Learn a bit more about um, the scientific side of things, but also take a much more rational, conscious perspective view of what you think is going on. I mean, if, if you you know, try and step back from, from things and go, well, this doesn't really quite make sense to me. So I'm going to come out of this rabbit hole and move, move a bit further up the mountain and find out, you know, where, where the sort of sharper end is of what's going on. And, and then, um, but also try and take a conscious rather than a reactive um, stance on things, become much more rational in terms of your own thinking um, rather than, you know, we've got these you know um nordic type of aliens that are trying to do this particular thing to this other group of aliens and this all massive sort of scenario of you know interworking you know highly complex sort of storyline that keeps evolving over the last sort of 30 40 years or so just step back from that and go well hang on is this rational is this logical is this or is this all just something we are um, we are engineering ourselves within the imaginal, within the pleroma of the, of the collective mind on the other side of the mirror. Are these, mm. is this really, because obviously if you give these things credence and energy, you're simply reinforcing that back into what's going on in the physical world, which is an illusion, obviously, somebody should write a book about it. <laughs> <laughs> but um you know, you understand some of the physics, some of the, understand some of the, you know, the, the, the basic stuff of what's what's really happening, mm. and um, and look at how you, as an individual, can rationalise things in a, in a much more logical logical fashion. Mm. But this is, really, you know, because it, it if anybody was to step, I mean, a lot of my academic friends, you know, wouldn't give this ancient aliens thing at, the, at any sort of time. But it's not, you shouldn't do that. It is important to, to understand this because you're effectively, you're helping also to stimulate the um, in, the imagination of the collective mind, which in effect is like a child. And it's it's sort of the equivalent of a, a 10,000 football stadiums and its mentality and its its knowledge and its understanding. But it's, it's like a five-year-old girl, effectively. <laughs> it's, just, it's just, it's really naive in some respects and it's clumsy and it's you know inquisitive it's playful it's but it's 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 just us it's just we are just evolving into this 
higher form of consciousness, if you like. And it's, you know, it's not, um, and that's, if you're going to be sort of drawn into that, then you need to take a much more individual, rational perspective, conscious view of what's going on and, and what how you can help with that. So also in your own life as well, if you're in an organisation that's behaving in a fashion that is um, unconscious, if it's behaving like a complete bastard, you know, you, or you know, the people around you are, are be, being sort of drawn along this, you know, greedy, don't care about it, don't, then step back from that. Is this really what you want to be involved in? Is this really what you want to be supporting? Or is there a way you can change this? And or just point out to people, you know, this is what you're doing. Hold up the conscious flag and say, look, you know, you're behaving like a bunch of um, school-grown bullies, and it's it's you know it's it's not helping. You know, you're just making life worse for everybody else. And um, so it's 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 really just changing that sort of model of what's going on within the within the system and you can do that just by applying your own conscious thoughts to it and I, mean, I wouldn't try telling it off I've tried that a few times you can you know you end up with a, a you know having to wear a lead bucket on your head for a few weeks it's <laughs> it's not a, it's not you literally you know wouldn't believe some of the things if you try and try and sort of um well, I mean, I remember oh, I've been uh, from your book. I think you described an example of of that when you, you know, when you fictionalized it in the form of, you know, Sam's Sam's life. But um, it seemed like, you know, it was based on actual experience yeah. where you yeah. know, he tells off or he has a he has a sort of interaction with the collective unconscious it, and he says, oh, I've, I something like, you know, I've I figured you out kind of thing. And he's quite cocky and happy with him. He's pretty pleased with himself, you know. Like I'm onto you. And then something very strange happens. He gets a very strange um, kind of creepy uh, response back from from it. Yeah, I mean, it's in the physical world. I mean, this is not yep. just you know through vision. This is literally you know attack of the zombies, or you know your you, you, whole series of events will happen and conspiring to sort of come at you. Not in a psychological you know problem, or you know, there's no psychosis going on here or paranoia yeah. i mean this actual, is real real world events real events yeah i mean literally you know you you um you know and people around me as well they literally it comes at them you know but it's not a it's it's like a, an immunization thing it's a you it reacts to you like this mercurial you know antigen you know type of um uh effect is where the system itself is biologically in effect reacting to you and that you're trying to do these things and it's it's it doesn't like it you know like telling a child off you know it just it's um it's that sort of behavior so you've got to be quite careful about how you go about these things because it's it's not you know we're not talking about you know a role-playing game on a, on a computer here this is you know the real real stuff and um you know, um, and I, I, throughout my life, I've dealt with a lot of high-level stuff and worked in governments and run big programs and um, projects and things. So I'm used to, you know, dealing with people at a, at a fairly high level. And, and, um, and, but this is when it comes at you, it's, it's real sort of stuff and it's real mindless um, attack. And, and um, 
you know, I mean, you, you, you can get it sometimes in, in the supermarket going to where you are stood in the supermarket and all of a sudden people will start being drawn to you and um, you know, having to sort of move on and things. I mean, I, I put in the book once where, you know, I was stood in the supermarket and just reading a magazine and I turn around, there's a 20 people around me and nobody in the rest of the supermarket, literally. But they all come in and you suddenly turn around and jump. It's like, Oh, you know, it's, it's it's quite the most bizarre things. But and if you start talking in, in these terms, people think, oh, you're mad, you know. But these these events have really happened. And um, I mean, I'm quite a you know an intelligent, relaxed, and sane guy. And it's quite it's quite difficult to sort of uh, sort of express these things without sort of you know you having a camera on me all the time and seeing what's going on. Yeah, but that's why I tried to articulate it in, in the books as well. But it, it, it is, and I know other people have experienced these sorts of things. It's it, it's it's not just me. Hmm. Um, yeah, there's there's, and I know you you know you've been speaking it to to a few other sort of um, you know like pretty high level kind of um, people around the world, and and they've shared their their perspectives um, and and strange observations and experiences and. You know, there's some of the behaviors of, or if you like, the behaviors of, of the collective unconscious and the way that it, it, it robotically enforces and it adheres to rules and compulsively, yeah. like stuff that makes absolutely no sense. Maybe you could touch on that. Yeah, it's it's just it's it's a strange sort of it, it's following this sort of mythos. It it has to follow these sort of set pathways. It's it's programming. It's what it's been evolved to, to learn as a, as a successful pattern and so it, it tries to sort of you know you have to go through this process here and if you're if you're an angel inverted commas if you're you've got this particular program inside then you have to be you forged through this sort of channel of of the way you have to learn and you know it's, it's being beaten to you know to into a into this shape and that's what it does and it, it, it you try and avoid that patterning that that process and it doesn't like it it tries to revert you along that that pathway so you just sort of get right, okay i don't understand what's going on here um but it's it's also with with other sort of archetypal programs that exist within lots of different people they are um, sort of driven down this sort of route of, of being, if you like, and they have to follow this sort of set, set path. So you have these sort of events that you have to sort of go through throughout your life. And um, the hero journey is one of those types. So we're living really within this sort of programmed um, informational system being imposed from the other side of the mirror onto us in, in our real life physicality. And, yeah, um, yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, sorry, go on. I mean, now you know this because you've, you've, you've had similar sorts of things happen to you as well. It's a, yeah, yeah. Um, and, uh, you know, you were just talking about like the, the hero, the hero's journey and the hero, the, the role that, you know, the role that you get cast in by the collective imagination, the collective unconscious has an idea that it's, that you're this guy, like you're this character. And so, um, you know, I think it's relevant to, to talk a bit about the fact that it seems to have tried to cast both of us as a certain type of character. Um, maybe we can yeah. get into that a bit. Yeah, that's right. So you, you, I mean, obviously with Carl Jung and his sort of collective unconscious and the archetypes that he's discovered within that, um, you you could say they're archons or whatever. 
you 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 fulfill I mean and there are a lot more now than than he, he discovered and it's it's like you're playing a game of chess and your particular piece on the board and certain archetypes can only move in certain directions and you have to follow the rules of the game um, you play in a certain way you can only go in in particular patterns and so if you're a rook or a queen or a bishop or a pawn that's how you work that's how you operate and that's basically you're not allowed to change that um, and if you you go along with that it's fine you 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 get rewarded you're you know you become this sort of um uh, you, a good boy you know you've, you've done the right thing and that's how it works but if you just try and sort of re uh, rebel against that it, it it doesn't like it it's, you're not following that pattern and it's a biological sort of process if you like because it knows that that's what works it's 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 a reflective biological process it's got from the physical virtual world into the pleroma into the um the collective unconscious world of our uh, informational system database if you like and it's evolved because that's what works and of course it's worked because there's nothing really that we've got now as a, as a species that we're competing against so it hasn't had to change very much so all of these patterns um on all these systems just kept repeating so you get the same pattern over and over again this repeated hero journey it's repeated angel pathway that you, you're on and you you essentially won't change that unless we change it ourselves because because there's nothing we don't have an external um alien species even though we obviously would like that because it's trying to create this this concept of aliens all the time it's trying to sort of um, repeat those patterns because it knows that that's what works. You know, it's it's unfortunately that can't go on because we know that with the way things are going, we are going to um, fall as a species. We're basically very capable of destroying ourselves, and we are very capable of of um, as a civilization, the way civilizations rise and fall of falling again and then we may not be able to pick ourselves up again and mm. um that's my concern you know it's, yeah it's, yeah i mean that's that's i guess you know that's why i um foolishly embarked on the, the path of being a sort of author and an activist and that's why you know amy and i started the whole global freedom movement thing and um you know just because there's that that urgency and that the awareness of the urgency really really drives you but in our case it really consumed us as well and we didn't uh didn't look after ourselves properly in the process but yeah absolutely it does take over you and, and there's other people who are experiencing the same urgency that same criticality that impending catastrophe that impending um, and that's coming out of the system as well. It's, it's, it knows it's got this problem. It just can't seem to change. It can't see because most of it is unconscious. It's still operating in this, this same pattern way. So that's what people can do, you know. And obviously, I'm only interested in working with people who are keen on changing things, making people aware, understanding what's really going on um, without... Um, this this sort of constant sort of academic building on building on you know the, the ivory tower concept of who said what in the past and 
and then bringing that to a sort of a new level. That's not achieving anything. That's simply, you know, it's, it's the same principle as, you know, um, quantum physics when you're dealing with, you know, as I've researched a lot in the past, is, is you just coming up with new and more ideas. What we need more is, is sort of experimental physics, you know, coming up with the, with the evidence, you know, because every time we come up with a, a new, um, a new evidential physics, um, you know, whether it's um, uh, new ways of collapsing the waveform or new new entanglement concepts or, you know, ideas on the, the standard model and things. The, the standard model was one of the things I've experienced when, in my experience um, in massive detail and knew exactly how it worked and all this stuff. It was just, you know, bizarre. I mean, and all of, I find reading, reading physics stuff all the time very easy and and um it's just that nobody's really has the ability to describe what's going on on the other side of the mirror from a, from a quantum physics perspective because we're still too far away yet um although it's advancing and that seems to be where all the energy is from the collective mind at the moment most people who are experiencing gnosis and and all of this sort of knowledge download is tend to be on the quantum physics side um, mm desperately trying to see you know and understand itself but um it, yeah it's 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 imperative that people try and sort of take a rational perspective view on these things and a conscious understanding of what's happening um and without being beguiled by the system itself being hypnotized by it mm. i mean that's the the hypnosis thing is is when you when you see it happening and you recognize what's happening it's it's pretty astonishing um and you know i wanted to speaking of hypnosis i wanted to talk about the god concept um in context of the collective unconscious and how you see that playing out or evolving over time the god entity if you like yeah well i think that tends to be what we're for i mean i i know the universe is created i don't think there's a god in that concept um that the the that essentially from our perspective on the other side of the mirror on the, in the pleroma, they, they, we have this sort of Gaian server, if you like, which is a field-based informational system, which supports nature. It supports, you know, the, the information associated with nature and, and growing. And it also supports humanity with its, with its collective mind, with its, um, you know, so we're effectively like an operating system and individuals are like, devices and um each device has its own set of programs and you have you know ways of interacting with this information database but also the the, the um the sort of programs within it and the, the way it operates and so forth so the idea seems to be that that is what we're supposed to be evolving um into this sort of god if you like gradual expanding um, awareness, expanding consciousness, and expanding um, the idea that this is where we need to be going. And unfortunately, I think the idea should be that you tend to have, need to have competition to do that. You need to have a corresponding um, element that is there to help you evolve and evolve against and compete against and so forth. And I don't think we have that. And um, without that real sort of um, instigator of change we we're not really moving forward enough um, we're learning a lot expanding a lot in terms of our knowledge and 
technical understanding and we are emulating a lot of what's going on on the other side in technology you look obviously i know a lot about technology we are emulating a lot of these processes and programs and architecture if you like within the informational field um within technology that we're creating um but it's not um that's not the right direction um you can never emulate consciousness with with technology you don't have that two you know one side of the mirror and the other side of the mirror you're simply only you know trying to create what you've a, a simulacrum of, of what's going on, on the other side so um it, it, that could be a way it's trying to sort of step forward to this sort of god structure but you're also competing with sort of guy inside of you know the server and the, the other operating systems that exist and the, the other the sort of higher level knowledge that exists within this this system as well but um that i think is the idea eventually we sort of fill the universe with consciousness and um and, and both on the, the sort of pleroma side and on the on the physical side and the, this that's i think is the, the the overall idea and the concept of, of what needs to happen um i mean what about people <laughs> when they oh sorry i think we had a lag there <laughs> no carry on you carry on i was just interrupting oh you're right <laughs> Um, I mean, you know, like in terms of religion, right, this is something that I've always I found interesting for a long time is is the way that the religious mind um, or people who are having have conversion experiences, they experience something and they think it's God or they think it's Jesus or they think it's this or that, this deity, that deity. Um, what, what's, what do you see as happening there in those types of situations? Well, I, again, it's like a, um, a concept that's created in the first place um, by an experience, and then it is gradually reinforced over time more and more, um, where, uh, obviously, I don't want to get into too much trouble here, but um, it, it's where you've, you, um, the, a, a belief structure is developed, I, you uh, have your particular individual's understanding of what they're experiencing and what they're seeing is then interpreted. So you're, they are experiencing extreme knowledge or visions or their own psychology or their own um, interpretation of, of events based on what they know. So they create this, this belief structure. And that will generally be based on a previous belief structure that's been um, that they have, have learned or understood. And then that belief structure is then reinforced and it becomes a control structure whereby itself reinforces itself with symbolism, objects, um, story and um, iconography. And that gets reinforced into the system itself. So believe people believe this, they think this is right. And it's a natural sort of progressive biological process um, and then people then later on will pick up the same things coming out of the system and, and then seeing the same iconography the same symbolism and the things that they experience they may have a, a vision or a, um, an awakening and then of course they are subject to all this stuff that's there but it's all coming from this collective mind this this um database of knowledge this this store of of way of, of thinking um and it's only really when people come out of that 
and go on to something new that, that that they can sort of move on they come out of that rabbit hole and then they can move on to something more more advanced but there's nothing per, per se wrong with these belief structures these these religious it's, it's a historical sort of foot in the ground peg in the ground if you like the problem is when they become control structures and they become enforcing and they become controlling of people that, that the issues start to arise well, that's, yeah. I mean, you know, that's kind of how I see the actual belief structure itself is, is it, it's got like this telos, this urge to reinforce itself. And then I see the believers who, who inherit it. Um, it's as if they're taken over by this, this entity, this intelligence, this energy that then operates through them. And it's like, the, the, the thinking might be appropriate for, you know, a third or fourth century um, christian you know but it's like it's like hang on this is the 21st century like but they're they're they're, it's almost like they're not there they're not present anymore this thing this program has taken them over is that sort of is that something you it's it's a hypnotic thing it's a biological thing It's, it's essentially that's what helps things evolve um in the past it's it's like a um you know like a tree or you know if you grow the things and they tell the leaves to grow this way and they all grow that way and then it becomes successful and you get a bigger branch and it becomes a eventually becomes a, a culture you know that's so and it reinforces all of these things and it's, it's telling you the same stories and coming out with the same information every time and it yeah. works because it grows it grows it grows it becomes bigger but that's not necessarily you know if it's if this branch is growing you know into the ground or you know going off into the in, in into power lines then it's not a particularly good thing to do you know you need to say well actually yeah that's all very well but so yeah it's, it's extremely hypnotic extremely influential it, it's a control structure that gets reinforced that then applies itself into people's minds that then works because it's a way of it, it's my in my book i use the uh, ant commonly colony colony analogy where you know if you're all the different colonies on this island are basically you know all of these different sort of uh, cultures or religions and and um you have these ants that perform these because of duties and and then they grow and grow you know if you become successful then it reinforces the same ant structures the same ant programs the same controlling uh, information that goes into these ants so that uh, because that's successful that works they evolve into this larger thing but so, that's not necessarily right you know yeah well that's that's sort of what I was, I was trying to get around to that was you know like you were saying in there was there was a time in the past where these types of things were you know appropriate for helping the the tribe or the village survive and propagate yeah. um but then you watch the exact same thought structure or belief structure playing out now and it's like, well, this isn't actually helpful. This is counterproductive because it's preventing people from growing and becoming self-aware, um, from from having knowledge. Um, and and now it seems now it just looks like control over the mind for the sake of control, like a you know a mind virus, if you like. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's exactly that, and and it, re- it it basically programs people to be reactive against anything that is different as well. So one ant colony might wipe out another ant colony because they're different. You know, and, and they're, you know, I mean, that this thing happens all the time through history. You look at 
I mean, just ask a Cathar, for example, <laughs> you know, that, what the Catholic Church did to the, to the Cathars. I mean, it's yeah. just like, you know, that's exactly what it will do. You know, the, these Cathars woke up and then, well, actually, we think this is, you know, all the, all the Protestant thing. It's, just, it's the same sort of concept. But it's, it's, it, it's a natural sort of, you know, evolved thing. Really, what we need to do is consciously wake up and say, we understand this is what's going on. And um, I'm not going to be brainwashed by this. I need to, you know, we need to start doing something because, you know, our tree's heading off into this power line and we're going to, you know, we're going to carbonize ourselves. Or, you know, this is the sort of wake up call that people need to have, which is why you're, what you're doing is important. You're trying to reach people and make them understand we know exactly what's going on but it's it, it's a it's a frighteningly powerful system you know these these this hypnotic effect that people people have i mean it's um it's 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 quite um it's quite alarming you know but that's why for example the gnostics um i mean I, i'm not a gnostic but i understand you know everything about gnosticism and and um and gnosis um and can put that again in but that's why because they were sort of closer to the truth with this concept of the demiurge and this in-between god thing that's why they were sort of picked on so much by other other religions um because they were um seen as a threat essentially to this sort of lower level lower level of unconsciousness lower level of subconscious type of thinking type of reinforcement because you know, they, they, they sort of want to bring them down to, to their own sort of uh, level, if you like. Uh, I, th I think that's, I'm glad you mentioned that, actually, because um, the, the Gnostic sort of paradigm is becoming more and more, um, people are becoming more aware of it. And they're thinking in terms of this, this being, this demiurgic entity, Yaldabaoth was the Gnostic name for, for the way they saw it. Um, but, you, you know, I, I think there's, well, let, let, let's just touch on that. What do you see as, as actually happening here in this instance where people are talking about the Demiurge, this evil sort of controlling presence? I mean, you see this, this, this is it, right? This is the collective unconscious. Yeah, it, essentially, yeah, that's the same. This is, I think, what the Gnostics were picking up on, this, this sort of in-between God. The, 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 it is essentially that. Um, it's our human collective unconscious mind entity that we have evolved, not not it's created us, we have created it. Um, and it sits really in between us and this sort of global God, if you like, the global guy, the global server information system of nature that exists and supports us. This, this triway interactive field-based information system, you know, it's 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 that is how. It sort of sits, if you like. So the, the Gnostics were essentially picking up on this sort of um, hang on a minute, this is this is what's really going on. And you know, but if you try and sort of go down the rabbit hole of Gnosticism, again you're falling into this sort of well, we interpreted at this time two, two three thousand years ago as this. That's not quite how it is. You've got to use the scientific side of things. So really, if people have gone into sort of Gnosticism, they've sort of come out of a potential rabbit hole and gone into another one. But you need to look at that, the Gnostic side of things. I mean, I think a couple of your previous people you've interviewed, Sol and um, who else was it? Um, 
uh, Michael Cesarian, I think, he's just yeah. gone into sort of Gnosticism now, and, and that's good. And um, you know, he did a lot of studying and research onto that and find out what's been suppressed, like the um, I think he mentioned the Hamadi scriptures, you know, which obviously people need to understand. But that's another sort of rabbit hole. But you go in, look at it, understand what they were saying, come back out again, move up further up the, up the mountain, try and look at it from a rational conscious perspective and don't let it sort of hypnotize you or affect you. But that is essentially the the main concept of Gnosticism is, is this idea of this, this demiurgic entity that is um, between God, if you like, and that essentially is pretty much what um, I think we can say this it is, this, this sort of human collective unconscious mind entity. Mm. It's very interesting to think of uh, and, and consider in terms of the, the you know, the, the transhumanist sort of agenda or movement that's, that's afoot and we're seeing it more and more transparently now, this drive to create synthetic humans and synthetic everything, a, a simulacrum of everything and make replace the real world with an artificial world, an artificial construct. And, and so, yeah, it's very interesting to consider that in light of what, you, what you're saying. Yeah, I mean, the, um, a lot of things that are coming out, like obviously The Matrix and other films are quite Gnostic. And um, I mean, if you read uh, some, if you go on from Jung to who was quite Gnostic in his views, but also through sort of 20th century, late 20th century French philosophers, um, Deleuze, Guattari, and um, who was the one that was mentioned in, um, in The Matrix? Um, Baudrillard? But John Baudrillard, yeah. If you read all of, obviously don't read them all. But if you go online, you can find a lot of people who can synthesize it all for you. In a, you know, who've done all the decades of philosophy study, use those people to um, people like John John David Ebert, who are very good at synthesizing it all and putting it in context and structure. And then you can spend a couple of hours listening to those and then move on. Um, it, it's it's essentially going forward with those concepts but but with the sort of gnostic idea that then trans transfers itself more now into more scientific and um and um field-based information um structure architecture and so forth and that's how it, things are evolving at the moment is that you know this this coming together of the sort of spiritual and scientific worlds to try and uh, um make sense of what's going on Again, somebody should write a book about it. <laughs> I know. I wish I... Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, I mean, let's, what about the, uh, the the octopus? Is the octopus worth mentioning here? Because um, that kind of... Connected to the... <laughs> well, this is, an, again, another analogy I've tried to sort of create, which, which essentially um, in the book is basically the idea that we are all this one interconnected body, if you like, on the other side of the mirror which is an octopus. You used to imagine it in a tank with a, with a guy in tank, if you like, which is the, the, the home it lives in. And um, each of its tentacles are essentially a uh, culture which, with all cells in it. And we are cells in the octopus all performing different functions and it's all growing and evolving, this baby octopus and so forth. But of course, all the tentacles have their own senses and life of their own, so they can operate independently. And this octopus thinks like an octopus, behaves like an octopus, and has a different way of thinking than we do as individuals. Um, and also how you as a cell within the octopus can 
influence things and how it thinks and how it operates and so forth. But it's all alone at the moment in this tank. Um, so it's an analogy, really, where you can try and use that to start to explain some of the things that are happening and how it works and, and what's going on with it and um, what it's frightened of and how it operates and, you know, if, if bits get cut off, how it regrows them and, and that, this sort of thing. And that, an octopus is quite a good analogy because it's a very different species from our own. It's a very, it's, it's you know, and even, even an octopus you can use it because it's developed its own eyes and nervous system and so forth, completely in parallel to, to the rest of, uh, of evolution. You know, how has it got eyes and we've got eyes when, when you go back on the evolution chain, it's, um, you know, that we, both of our common ancestors going back, you know, hundreds of million years didn't have eyes. So it's, 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 it's how these things have coalesced over time and how things have you know, being interconnected. So it's, it was really interesting um, to see again, you know, these things play out or, or just, just drop into your, into your life just momentarily. Like the octopus concept um, we were, what Amy and I were watching, uh, there was a, an influencer we, who she was following for a little while and, um, and her and her partner were doing a video, uh, a live video. And she was, they were talking about their business model and their business model was all these different things and all these different streams or businesses and some, this is passive and this is digital, this is crypto and whatever. And it was, and they called it the octopus, you know? And so it's like at these eight different streams and I was, we were like, we're, we're watching it now in the context of, of our lives at that moment, it was, you know, it was almost kind of jaw dropping. And of course his name, her partner's name was of course, Nick. Um, and, and, <laughs> The reason why we were so blown away by it, one of the other reasons we were so blown away by it in that moment was that we had conceived, before we'd heard them talk about it, we conceived of our own um, octopus. And so here it was, boom, in our faces and Nick presenting it to us again. <laughs> yeah, it's, 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 I mean, and then you get all the, the documentaries on television about octopuses and books about octopuses and everything mm. coming out all at once. Suddenly this sort of wave of reflective sort of uh, um, discourse coming out of the system where people have suddenly got all these things and everybody's, you know, people are writing scientific books about how intelligent they are and how they operate. And, and it's, it's, that is a good example of just what goes on all the time. And it, in my life, it's just prolific. It is just insane. I mean, you, you get, I mean, even the house we're living in on this hill in Morven in, in, in Worcestershire, which is on that ley line, first of the ley line things. I mean, you know, where all of these sort of um, Lord of the Rings and you know C.S. Lewis stuff. I mean, we were, were sort of conceived. We've got the sort of white tree at the corner, and we've got so their house is, looks looks across this valley, and it, the house looks like sort of the um, Minas Tirith thing, and um, going across the, the the valley here. And of course, um, Tolkien and C.S. Lewis used to go to a pub around the corner and <laughs> into more used to, when they were young and conceived all these. And we've got a um, a lamp in the woods 100 yards away from us which is one of these old gas lamps as well and it's just there's so i mean you could go on and on forever is that the amount of sort of both in real world physical actual events and mythological type constructs that get relayed back to us is is just beyond beyond belief it is just surreal and you know and, and you're you just can't really sort of 
that's why I've tried to document some of it in, in the books because it's just a way of trying to get some of it out of your head and and down because it's it's just too much to um, to try and cope with without sort of you know saying something and putting putting things down. Yeah, it it just becomes a cathartic type of exercise, really. Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm not crazy. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 I've just got to really run around like a chicken and get the, the kids to school and to uh, you know to uh, try and have a life and and uh, pay the bills and things. But fortunately, having run several IT companies and things, I've not not, not too too worried about about things financially. But um, I know it affects a lot of people who are involved in this process very badly because once you're aware of these things, it makes it very difficult for you to carry on in the real world in in a um, you know in such a way that you can you can survive. Yeah, yeah, I think that's part definitely of the process of, of immunization. Yeah, yeah, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. I've seen that with um, one or two others uh, who are kind of you know on that wavelength, and and I've lived I've lived it. It's extremely. <laughs> It's just like, you know, you're in, you're in a rigged game, you know, it's like trying to go into a casino and, and hoping to come out with $10 million in your, in your hands. It's just, it's just, it's ridiculous. Um, but yeah, the, I, I, I don't know if you didn't want to mention it specifically, but when I, when I talked earlier about the, the way that the collective imagination tries to cast people as certain characters, um, and it really does borrow from, from films and books and things and we've seen i mean the, like like the matrix for example you've you've been you've in, been in situations yes, where yeah. it's synchronistically <laughs> synchronous you like you couldn't organize it if you tried and i've experienced in my own life situations and i talked about um at least one of them uh and i set, shared the story of sam and brina and, and the grand illusion but i also shared an, um, an experience i had in a in a hospital a few years ago where it was just just absurd the connection between um, Keanu and Neo and the Matrix films, right? And these experiences, and it's like, well, it seems to have these ideas as to you want to. It wants you to be this guy. It wants you to be like this guy, the one or the the savior, the messiah figure, yeah. this kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, it's a, yeah. I, I was going to call you Flynn Rider then for a minute, but. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah, but Neo didn't wear a beanie on his head. But, but yeah, it just, it is surreal. I mean, literally out of the Matrix book, I mean, out of the Matrix film, you see events in there and other, the people in there and the characters and they're so like what you've experienced in your own life and events as well. I mean, like the, like the, the lorry scene in the, on the dual carriageway, on the motorway there, where, where you see this lorry pushing this car in front of it you know and um i've had that i came out of my operation in new zealand 10 years ago and th that my wife was driving me out from the hospital and obviously it was very agitated as what was going on because i you know had this thing on my spine done and um she's driving me out and coming up this 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 um dual carriageway onto the slip road and all of a sudden we we're overtaken on the fast lane by a lorry pushing the car in front of it up a hill. Wow. <laughs> As in the Matrix film, you know, where it was reenacting the same scenario. And we'd had, as we'd arrived at the hospital the day before, uh, a, a van in front of us with the glass on it, which had broken loose. And this car, was, this van was in front of us. 
And as we were just going up on the slip road, the, the, the straps on these, these glass frames broke and these glass panels started wavering about in front of, a bit like in um, uh, the, the, not the Exorcist, the, um, the other film, uh, can't remember it now, but it's almost reenacting sort of events from films to sort of put you through that sort of process. Mm. And I mean, the, you know, having a, somebody drive a lorry next to you when you've got a thing on your neck and <laughs> you, you're, you look inside, is this just really going on here? Because this lorry was pushing this kind of sparks and stuff going everywhere. And this lorry, this driver was completely oblivious to this car in front of him. He was accelerating up a hill with a car underneath, underneath him. And this was going past my window. As I was, and it, it was, but it's it's that happening. I mean, it doesn't happen so much nowadays. It tends to not sort of uh, go out as much. But but literally, that was happening, you know, two or three times a month. It, things, events, just as surreal as that. And you try and explain these to people, and they think, oh, you know, you're just making these things up. And but you can attest the people around me can attest to these these sorts of things. You know, literally happening week by week, you know, and synchronistic events happening that, like the Jung, Jung's um, beetle example, you'd have 20 of those a day, you know, <laughs> 12, a dozen Jung beetles for breakfast, you know. <laughs> but, you know, it's, um, but yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's, yes, it's a difficult sort of thing to quantify really with, with people. It's, yeah, um, unless they're awake and seeing it happen to themselves, it's not something that people can relate to. Yeah, unless they've had at least some level of experience with synchronicity, um, it's very, it's virtually impossible because you just sound like a lunatic to them. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, it's 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 very hard to try and sort of um, get people to sort of make that step and understand that sort of concept because they, they naturally want to try and live in this protected sort of religious type controlled um, environment because that's what we are governed by and need to live within this sort of uh, safe, comfortable, you know, known environment. But a lot of people now are starting to realise that that's not quite right and um, things aren't happening the way they should yeah and um, somebody needs to do something about it you know <laughs> yeah. yes yeah. Uh, off you go yeah. brandon <laughs> uh, yeah, right. you know what i'm good you're I'm good. retiring now mate you're, you're off you're off you're <laughs> <laughs> yeah i'll make you my neo shades and you can uh, go, carry on <laughs> i don't know i think early retirement might have to be something to consider here um what about what maybe we've already i don't know how it's gone very quickly we've, we've done about an hour and a quarter so um you know, I don't want to. I don't want to hold you up too much, but I think it could be. It could be fun to talk about. Oh well, the thought that I was going to express, just to reiterate before I do, um, was that kind of it sounds like you're saying. You know, we've got these built-in kind of biological urges or instincts that have been, um, you know, adaptive biological programs that have been picked up over millennia, which are running yeah. us and running the show. And now it's obvious that they're just not appropriate. They're not constructive anymore. Yeah, that's right. They're, they're, they're dated. They are, we haven't evolved new ones. We haven't changed the existing ones. They keep recycling, repatterning, re, reliving the same, the same processes. And the only way 
Um, and they're, they're very powerful, these things, and they're demonic forces. I mean, I like one of your, um, one of your people you interviewed a while ago, I think, this um, FBI agent, ex-FBI agent, who, who'd be given this authority to go around all of these conspiracies and, and um, groups within, within America. And he came up with this statement of, um, you know, he got to the top of all of these and there were, he couldn't find any sort of collusion going on between the groups or within the people. It just seemed to be happening on its own as if there was some sort of demonic force at work. And I think that's, that's a good um, uh, way of, of seeing this thing. It's just these, these changes, that, these, these forces that are happening, good and evil, this demonic and angelic type forces that are being instilled by this collective mind, you have to see them in those perspectives, that they are unconscious, powerful programs, and those programs need to change. Mm. And those are the things that need to evolve. Those overriding sort of um, naturally evolved um, functions need to change because they're not now suitable for, for the way we need to exist and the way we need to live. Yes, they would have changed if we had some sort of external adversary, some sort of um, alien competition or alien influence. We would have had to evolve these programs to, to adapt to that. But that's just not happening. Um, what we need to do is consciously try and modify these programs, these um, archaic um, uh, archetypal um, programs slowly and then gradually in a given direction. So what we need effectively is a uh, dozens and dozens of these butterflies pushing the wheel all at the same time all in the right direction with a, a coordinated way of monitoring these these changes so that gradually we can influence these um archon type um, programs if you like so that they are refined and they are more adaptive to to the way we need to exist in this world to survive because we're not going to at this current rate mm. and a way of, of doing that as well is, is to help this collective mind wake up um, either that or we all have to become nomadic and live in the middle of nowhere and all wear lead buckets on our heads to try and uh, <laughs> get away from this problem but I don't think we can I don't think uh, you know the um, even you know Aboriginals who hadn't gone through that forging process of the um, uh, uh, Mesopotamian type um, forging cultural evolution process that we went through, you know, still wouldn't survive because, you know, you'd still be existing within a world where this this overarching um, system existed. So you, mm. you, you know, you, you just you can't live with it. And you can't live without it. So the only thing you can do is to change it. Mm. Um, and yeah, this guy you were talking about who was, you know, going around doing to all the different agencies and whatnot, you, you've worked in fairly high levels in certain um, positions that, you know, connected to certain government departments or what have you. Um, yeah, I, I can't really talk about that. So, uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. I mean, without, without I mean, getting up there. <laughs> no, <laughs> without, yeah, without getting into detail, I mean, basically what I was going to say was, you know, um, as much as we know that there are actual 
um, agendas and conspiracies that do occur. Um, a lot of it is, as this other guy was saying, and what you, you what you found personally was that there's it's mostly just people who are really unaware, um, kind of really really foolish and ignorant in many instances who don't really know yeah. what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there are some complete bastards around, and mm. there are a lot of, but most of what's going on around is that we see is wrong is incompetence. It is. Um, lack of money as well where departments or groups are trying to you know survive um and um it's just bureaucracy it, a lot of you know but there is this sort of um people who are bullies in organizations tend to get promoted because they are successful in controlling people and um people who are uh, you know sharks or who operate in a in a, a an uncaring fashion tend to do quite well because that's you know the nature of things but it's not supporting that that's the key if you you know you're not supporting these bullies and not not basically supporting this organization that is acting unconsciously and acting in a an animalistic fashion and also being aware that at the top levels this sort of overarching subconscious drive that comes from the collective mind to behave in these fashions because it's always worked in the past isn't necessarily right you know it's it's it might be demonic and it might be um, a, very successful in making money and controlling the world and doing all these um, conspiracies that you know are trying to sort of uh, um, not say inject things but put things into the system that, that, that mean that people are more controlled. Um, but it's, it's, it's that sort of concept across the whole of, of humanity that needs to change. We can't allow ourselves to be controlled by this demonic type of um, collective mind subconscious programs that are effectively influencing things in the wrong way, because ultimately they're going to bring us all down. Because they're, they're basically like a human, a person being controlled and behaving like a dog would be to a bone. You know, that's the same, you know, it becomes this sort of animal that you can try and take the bone off. It'll take your arm off, even though it's a loving dog most of the time. Yeah. And that's the sort of mad, sort of bizarre things that happen right at the top level of organisations and, and um, you know, the public life and political life it's it's you know it's not necessarily people at a, the elite that people keep using which is highly unfounded it is basically this that's going on these people are being driven by these sort of programs and you just need to walk up to them and say do you know you're being influenced by this collective mind entity that is making you do evil things and they'll they'll understand straight away what you're talking about it's not <laughs> yeah no it's really easy to convey yeah, absolutely. <laughs> you know. so, i i was um is, oh, sorry go ahead yeah so so this is the sort of the barrier you're facing all the time is making people understand because they don't want to understand what you're what you're, what you're talking about because they're quite successful and what they do is works all the time you know they make lots of money and they're quite happy mm. so um you know but when you hear people talking about the elite and they're all you know working together and controlling the world and the royals and that's just not the case this is not um 
a coordinated, logical, rational sort of um, way of operating. It needs to change and it needs to be done in a way that people understand that these things are being driven for, by our collective mind. Yeah, and I mean, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, um, it's obvious, that, I mean, that at least some of these people went, who we do see in the public realm, at least, um, you know, giving them the benefit of the doubt, say, um, they're, they're, they're just, they, they believe things that are just insane. They, and they seem to really believe it. Like they're invested in stuff that is completely on a, on a mass scale. It's completely self-destructive. But, but if they feel like they're insulated from the effects of their policies and what they're going to do, um, they, just, they just go ahead with it. Um, yeah. And yeah, exactly. They, they, they're literally hypnotized. They, yeah. the, the system has hypnotized them. It, 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 they just cannot see, you know, you wave your hand in front of their face almost and they can't even see what they're doing and why they're doing it. And, but, they, but they're successful, so it reinforces it. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I listened, I sent you, the, um, <laughs> I did send you a link to this, but uh, I was listening to the back end of a discussion between uh, Michael Tassarian and David Whitehead and their guest, who was Sethicus Boza. Um, not sure if you caught it yet, but I found the last 40 minutes really interesting because they were talking about this kind of stuff that we're, we're talking about and the way that um, the elite, the so-called elite, a lot of these people have actually bought into what a lot of people would call um, the new age stuff, the new age channeled stuff, you know, all these channeled materials and all, all this sort of thing. Some of them are really buying into it. And, and that is what is guiding their thinking and their policy making and their decisions that impact millions and millions of lives. And it's like, well, if that's where they're getting their views from, they are completely controlled by the so-called demiurge. They're completely under the hypnotic spell of the mass, the collective unconscious. So it's kind of ironic. It's like unconsciously, the joke's on us. We're orchestrating it in a sense. Like the, the group is orchestrating this manipulation, but we're screwing ourselves doing it. Yeah, it's exactly. I and mean, what we have here really is a huge management problem. That's the whole, the whole, whole situation. Is you know, you, you understand the system is self-reflective. It is self-influencing. So if you're going to change something, you need to understand what effect that's going to have. And yet, you've got these groups who are essentially just moving on gradually. They're suddenly becoming new age, you know. Which, you know, is, is, is oh Christ, you know. And it, that's. <laughs> Going, going back 50 years now, you know, it's, it's like um, that's, that's where they're sort of gradually sort of moving towards. And you need to drag them out of that rabbit hole and into a, a new one and then let them come out of that one and go back up a bit further up the mountain. Mm. And eventually you'll, you'll change things, you'll move things forward. And that just needs to be done in a way that we're all pushing in the right direction at the same time and knowing what that means. Mm. But it's a massive problem. I mean, in, you know, and the effect you can have is, is only minimal. But if everybody does it and everybody starts becoming rational, conscious and understanding the system, then, um, then you know, the, there's a potential there, you know, to do something. So what we need is to get everyone to function rationally. Whew, I thought it was going to be difficult. <laughs> I'm very relieved. <laughs> yeah. Talking about some people, yeah, it would be very difficult. Some of the people I've met on my my journeys, my God, it's, uh, it's been just bizarre. You know, <laughs> you, literally, you're hello. You, you, is there somebody conscious in there? Because, frankly, the things you're doing just don't seem to make any sense. And uh, 
I can understand. Yes, it's making you money, and yes, that the you know it's uh, it seems to you to be a, a rational thing to do. But um, you know, and a lot of people in, I've known in the IT industry, uh, some of the big heads in in the, in the IT industry, you, you start doing these things, and you're thinking, you know, why are you doing this? Just because it's making you money doesn't mean that it's it's right or mm. it's contributing anything to, the, to to society or the world in general. You're just simply doing these things because something up here wants you to try and emulate something you know whether it's uh, you know quantum computing or or something else that's driving this sort of uh, this this emulation simulacrum and doesn't mean it's helping us in any way or, or making society a better place so mm -hmm. stop it you know wake up <laughs> yes you're a very naughty boy <laughs> yeah go and go and grow some organic produce in your garden or something you know <laughs> make yourself useful yeah, yeah, that's right. But, um, um, yeah, I've got, I'm trying to think of anything else we, we, we uh, haven't covered, actually. Well, one thing um, that we could touch on um, to maybe wrap up with is the, and we should have probably talked about it earlier, uh, we both spent, I know we both spent a lot of time researching stuff like um, visionary experiences, near-death experiences, um, and, you know, I've, I've, in particular in my second book which i haven't published yet i've emphasized the near-death angle and really gone quite deep into that um in a way that i haven't seen other authors on the subject do um and so i think it's a really interesting thing to to notice you know we, we talk about this sort of so-called astral type of personality in these visionary experiences um and then that that realm but then you compare it to the the types of experiences and insights that people have in the nde category the near-death category and there, there's not really a lot of sort of mutual corroboration there. There's a bit of a, a chasm there. So how do you sort yeah. of break it down? Like you see, see the NDEs as more of an insight into, um, you know, a real a reality of sorts that actually is, is there. Yeah, absolutely. I hundred percent agree with what you're saying. There is a definite chasm of, of um, experience type. You know, one is the the non-NDE types tend to be very much. Um, um, reinforced from the from the imaginal from the from the system whereas an nde you're talking about really shutting the brain down and at that point you are allowing the the mind the separate from the brain to experience things and in a on both going from the physical virtual world to the pleroma to the imaginal world where you are creating not necessarily a tunnel but a a bridge if you like between the two and you're interpreting that bridge in a real sense um, rather than in an imaginal sense so you're you are um, taking on um, experiences that are completely different from say any other type of experience which are unique in, obviously the, the individual will still apply their own personal, interpretations they might see relations or they might see you know particular things but they they are very much uh, experiencing things in a in a genuine sense you know they they are seeing things for example in the room where they are from an objective perspective um mm. which they couldn't possibly see otherwise mm. so the, you're going through this bridging process of coming out of your your body if you like <laughs> difficult to try and quantify all these contexts when you're talking about I mean 
I always tend to try and work back from the pleroma back into the physical reality, you know, because that's the only way really that things make sense, how this physical world has been projected into our conscious minds. And, and so what you're doing is effectively in a near-death experience going the other way around, where you are going from your real world experience and your real physical body into the into the pleroma, into this information system structure. And what in doing that, if you objectively look at the experience and the commonalities that exist between those experiences for different people, you'll see that there's a genuine um, mapping of, of, of this sort of path, if you like, from taking the information that you are into this, this collective information system and seeing that same sort of journey pattern existing as well as the same sort of experiences. So this bright light, this um, seeing things from an objective perspective in the room and then moving into or transitioning into the, um, the pleroma, if you like, and then in some cases being sent back again. You know? mm. And uh, that's essentially, if you were to use a sort of information systems analogy and you were in a um, you know, role-playing game in a, in a computer and then moving off into the operating system and then coming back again. Hmm. That's essentially what you're looking at in terms of those experiences. And it, that's why I think it's quite important that people do study these, these NDEs very closely. And not enough work has been done on that by a long stretch of the imagination. Yeah, it's, it's quite frustrating actually to look at the state of the, the field itself. Um, it hasn't come very far since we first started talking about it, you know, 50 years no. ago. Um, but then, you know, you, on the other the other part of that question was, you know, the, the you get this sort of astral types where it's it's you know that you get this sort of like what used to be um, angels and demons is now kind of more aliens and demons, um, and they they're having very very some a lot of stuff just is absolutely makes no sense, and some of it sort of seems to on the surface level, and some not so much. But how do you characterize? those you know the people who are not having a, a death experience you know they're in their body they're functioning through their body um but there there is a lot of commonality there as well it's just not really um doesn't always make as much sense so the people you're talking about people channeling and people who are having visions and so forth. yeah that's that side of the coin yeah so so in that respect what you need to do is objectively look at the story the evolving story that's been developed not the not the um the, the actual sort of um so you might look at different alien types for example and say well okay how do they map onto either what's going on in the real physical world or what's going on in the in the program in the in the information system collective mind and you go well uh, you know okay so the, these are coming from american people uh, with a particular psychological type are they talking perhaps about say the russians um the russian minds and the russian sort of threat and the or are they talking about doctors for example fear of doctors and you know has this then become evolved and uh, are they talking about um you know so are the greys the, the doctors you know it's just, and then this this sort of concept within the imaginal become evolved into this more more refined sort of race of of, of creatures so if you you essentially i see the um this this side more coming from the imaginal within the collective dreams of this collective conscious child if you like this entity is it's its dreams and so you're feeding the dreams as well as receiving the dreams from this this entity 
um, which is us. So that's what's going on in this in this context. And you can see people trying to reinforce these ancient aliens with you know histor historical documentaries and going back into Egyptian times and looking at the water, I mean, you know, and all these sorts of things and going back into Mesopotamia and the and essentially trying to shoehorn um, history, facts, archaeology into this mindless, illogical, irrational imagine, imagination scape that's being developed and evolved in the Pleroma, which is fine. I mean, that's part of growing up, isn't it? You have these dreams and imaginations and things, but it, essentially that's what's going on. People are picking up on this stuff working together and then reinforcing it, throwing it back in. And then, of course, this ever-expanding story is being picked up by people's visions and, um, uh, and, um, and so forth, which is slightly different from, say, prophecies. So uh, people, for example, John, like John Wilcock, um, they have much more of a discourse information coming out where they're prophesizing information that is being told to them by this collective entity. Or, or even higher up, sort of the Gaian, Gaian entity uh, server, if you like. So th there are differences between NDEs, differences between prophecies, differences between the channeling and um, interworking of, of these groups. And um, they're all basically picking up different things from different parts of the elephant. You know, this elephant in the room, they're all seeing different parts and different elements of this same thing. And it is all the same thing. Um, and the NDEs are, are very useful because they're much more direct, more genuine. Um, that where you're actually you, you're not you're not ready for that. You know, you're not you're not going into that death experience. It just happens, and so therefore you can look at it much more objectively. Whereas all of this ancient alien stuff is really just playing around with the new religion that is. That is um, evolving and adapting and changing and um and um becoming you know what it is mm, yeah it's incorporating a lot of like a lot of sort of stuff from star wars and star trek and and um all, all other fictionalized things and they show up in some people's you know abduction experiences or contact experiences as well these elements of um you know mass media elements or the entertainment industry uh, but i you know i, I don't want to um i don't want to like sort of dismiss um, people, people's experiences, uh, like I don't want to come across as, as as doing that either, because there are a lot of experiences people are having which are really intense, um, and you know, often often traumatic. Uh, I mean, I, and, and there's some stuff out there that's really bizarre. I mean, one of um, one of Jacques Vallée's books, he provides a case study where um, there was a witness. Someone actually witnessed this out in the countryside, a ship, a craft of some description pulled up, there was a troop, um, a, sorry, a battalion of troops walking along in the mountainside. I think it was 20 of them or so. And this craft appears out of nowhere, basically scoops them all up on board and disappears off into the, into the ethers with them. And it's like, what do you, what do you make of these? How do you, how do you, what do you, what do you do with that kind of thing? <laughs> well, this is the problem as well. The, the collective mind can operate on a, on a, on a group level as well. So you can have lots of people who experience the same thing. Mm. I mean, that's been going on throughout history. I mean, sure. Constantine, even Rome, for example, there's hundreds of people experiencing the, the Christ scenario. And, and yeah, the history, you know, 
Yeah, you, you've got examples in your books as well of, of these, these things. And that's that's happens throughout history. So you get group experiences where you, you know, three or four people experience the same thing. That can happen. It can manifest things into reality mm. that people can either physically see, which tends to be from the sort of server level, or believe they've seen from a sort of collective level where this sort of energy percolates from the system itself through into reality uh, caused by something um, which then creates this mass vision or or perception and you know it, it, that's why evidence is so important you need this sort of evidential information to make it scientific um, but yeah it, it can happen you so you get these mass group events occurring which um, you know and of course people go well, we all saw this happening or we all experience this at the same time. Well, yeah, you will, because it's all coming out of the same place. Mm. It's not necessarily real. But again, yeah, you're right. You shouldn't be condemning people's experiences because all experiences are, are valid, are useful, are important, and they mean a lot to individual people. Mm. And that's people's way of connecting to this, this God that we're evolving. Mm. It's part of this process, you know, and what we need to make sure is, happens in the right way because at the moment it's it's even telling us that it's not so <laughs> we've got to try and get god back on track <laughs> yeah yeah just just yeah without using the g word again just just call it it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> awesome well i i think um i mean we have, we could go on for hours uh, i know i definitely could but um it's probably a good good opportunity to wrap it up for um volume one or part one of uh, our discussion i'm going to call it that because uh, i'm sure we're going to have more of them at some point but um yeah i think just a, one point is that uh, all my books I've, I've obviously given you those to uh, to make available to people they're available on amazon as well and other places they're all at cost they don't make any money on anything i and they're, they're freely available to people so if people want to share them with other people that's fine so uh, Awesome. Yeah, no, I really appreciate that. And so I will put those those PDF files up on the uh, the Truth of Us um, yeah. page. Where I should also emphasize, I'm not particularly not a particularly good author either. I'm not, <laughs> it wasn't my forte, you know. Was, well, yeah, yeah, you, Nick, yeah you, you took on the task of uh, of fictionalizing uh, real real information and putting putting it into a novel, which I think is far. I'm not going to try it. <laughs> no, well, it's it's part of this sort of mythopoesis process as well. You put it into the system, and you can actually demonstrate it happening in real in real terms. So, yeah, but, but yeah, it's it's they're just there if people people want them just to um, to see what uh, what the hell I've been going through and <laughs> the the nightmare, the hero journey that you know that people some people are subjected to, and um, yeah. and like yourself, it's, it's tough. You know, I wouldn't wish this on on anybody, but you get to the point where you you feel you you're responsible and you have to do something, and um, you know it's it's uh, it's part of that that process really, yeah. as you know. Yeah, yeah, no, not all, all too well. Well, <laughs> <laughs> mate, I'll uh, I'll wrap it up there. I think um, yeah, thank you for for, for chatting and, and thank you for also providing your your books for free. So people, if you if anyone's listening to this, um, just the audio on Truthiverse, they're going to find those downloads on that page. If you're watching the video, you're going to find it at truthiverse.com slash I think it'll be thirty six slash thirty six. This is episode thirty six. Um, so you'll find him there. Um, very kind of Nick to put his um, put his his writing there for free for people to get the message, get the download, and uh, and start understanding some of this stuff. 
uh, on a deeper level. So I do appreciate the, the time and effort that he put into his work uh, trying to to explain what is going on and, and do something constructive about it and move it forward. And um, this has been Nick Sandbrook, ladies and gentlemen. We will no doubt have him back at some point. Nick, thanks for chatting, mate. That's all right. No problem. And yeah, I might be wrong completely. I'm just saying you know, just, uh, <laughs> all the evidence might be completely farcical. You know, it's all in my head, but uh, it's all there for you to read. So and and again, Brendan, thank you again for for letting me have a chat. It's the first time I've, I've chatted to anybody on on in this sort of forum. And um, I just encourage you to carry on doing what you're doing and people like you to keep persevering because it is making a difference. There are things happening now in the system and you know, with people like yourself and others that are, you know, championing this sort of work, then it's it's important. And um, please don't stop. I don't think I can. I think I've been programmed not to. Yeah, you're fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Or if you do find a way of stopping, let me know. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll be I'll be in touch about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just knock on the lead bucket, and I'll be in there somewhere. <laughs> Oh, uh, yeah. Well, uh, I hope there's a happy ending that maybe if, if it hasn't been written, we can write write it ourselves, maybe. Yeah, that's another another trick, yeah. Re rewriting the next one along the uh, mythological uh, journey and uh, yeah, including well, lots of lottery wins. and. Uh, that's right. And, you know, sipping cocktails on beaches and that kind of stuff. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, that's it. Love Island and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. <laughs> While most drinking water looks the same, not all water is created equal. Discover how one machine can filter, charge, and restructure regular tap water into five different types of water with over 60 different uses. Learn how you can nourish your body and detox your home from electrolyzed reduced water rich in molecular hydrogen and potent antioxidants for drinking to highly alkalized and oxidized waters replacing toxic cleaners and personal products in your kitchen, bathroom, and laundry. To learn more about this life-changing water, visit brendandmurphy.com water. I've experienced censorship on no less than four different platforms so far, so if you'd like to help me get my work past the censors, please do subscribe and share it around for me. And also remember to join me on truth.network, which is the platform I've created for our conscious community to connect and gather away from the censors after Facebook, Facebook shut down our page in 2018. So head over there, create your free account at truth.network, it's T-R-O-O-T-H, and I'll see you inside. Take care.